And we should be recording. Okay. Uh, no. Yep, we're recording. Cool. I don't know why it gave me a little fucking weird timestamp thing up there when we're recording, but welcome back, everybody. Tonight's guest. I have one and only, you've heard me talk about him, good friend of mine, and one of the, in my opinion, top ambassadors to the sport that I have met, and owner of a one of the top premier long-range precision shooting facilities on the East Coast, that is Pig River Precision, Josh Bandy. Josh, how you doing tonight, Bayro? Doing good, David. Thanks for having me on. You're uh Popping my cherry on podcasts, man. So. Yeah, I got the cherry. I actually have a couple cherries in my pocket. Like, <laughs> you're not my first. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Then you'll feel so special, do you? Yeah. Well, but I still, but I love you. They need nothing to me. It's mutual. <laughs> it's mutual. <laughs> no, thanks for having me. Oh, on. first of all. Look forward to sure, it. man. I love, and, and you're a list, you're a listener to the podcast, so you you've been you've you've heard me sing your praises many a times. Yeah, I did. I uh, I was riding to Ohio one night and I heard you drop my name and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm privileged now. So <laughs> not just some little podunk. That's that just ever since. Right. There's nothing podunk about what you've got going on up there at Rocky Mount, Virginia. And let me just start by saying Rocky Mount, Virginia is definitely the better of the two Rocky Mounts that I have been to because Rocky Mount, North Carolina is an absolute shithole. Can confirm. Yeah. Rocky Mount, North Carolina is fucking horrible. Rocky Mount, Virginia is is absolutely beautiful, a cool little quaint town, and then just the topography and it's it's beautiful rolling hills, and I think you cut out one of the probably one of the better pieces of the Rocky Mount Pie at Pig River Precision because it is a gorgeous facility. Uh, we appreciate that, and don't forget, girls and boys back home, it's also in Franklin County, Virginia, which is known as the moonshine capital of the world. So there's yes, that. it is. In fact, if if you have seen the movie uh, Lawless, it takes place in Franklin County, Virginia. It does. It does. Which I have yet to watch. Yeah, and that. Oh my God, dude! What the fuck, man? You live there. Watch the damn movie. It's the only movie worth a fuck that Shia LaBeouf was ever in. I'm a match director. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> I guess. Hey, touche, touche. Uh, I can see how that is. That can be true. Yeah. But um, first of all, what you what you drinking tonight? Drinking some Bowman Brothers right now. Yeah. Bourbon. Is it going down smooth? Pretty smooth. How about you? What you got? I like it. Oh, tonight is one of my favorites, Sierra Nevada Hazy Little Thing. Yep, that's a good one. IPA, delicious. I, I enjoy. And I tell you what. If you're ever in the the western part of North Carolina near the Asheville area, um, this is for you or anybody else listening to this. Do yourself a favor and carve out a day and spend the whole day at the Sierra Nevada Brewery. It is an adult male's playground. Mm. The, the, the brewery is 
first of all, it's giant and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful brewery. It's a big operation, but it's sitting on, I don't know how many hundred acres of gorgeous Western North Carolina property. And then they've got obviously all the beers. They've got beer there that they don't bottle or sell. It's only sold there at the brewery. Okay. Um, and, uh, a, a legit four star restaurant. Um, the food was the, the pork belly was out of this world. Um, and then outside, you can take your dogs with you and they've got like, it's dog friendly. They've got like a giant playground for adults. They got ladder golf. They got an outdoor bar. They've got big ginormous gas fire pits and lawn chairs and cornhole and all this shit. And the dog, you know, the little hounds running around everywhere. It's, it's my favorite thing to do when in Asheville is going to Sierra Nevada. Very cool. Very cool. It's the destination. I'll check but it out. Anyway, that's a let's. Part of the country. Yeah, you got to. Yep. Say yep. it again. That's a pretty part of the country, Asheville. Mountains out there, black I love mountains it. Uh, outside of Brevard. Really pretty country. So. Heck yeah. It is. It's just filled with a bunch of shitheads. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Hippie ass shitheads. So we got that to deal with out there. But if you can get past that, there's a lot of cool stuff to do in Asheville or just the whole western, you know, the mountain uh, region of North Carolina. I love it. And I feel like that's where I was supposed to have been born. Like, I feel like I'm a I'm a mountain man at heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love being in the mountain. I feel like a different person. I'm in the mountains. I, I love it in the mountains, whether it be Virginia or North Carolina. Meanwhile, you have like all two degrees of elevation where you live. Right. So. <laughs> bro if that yeah, yeah. that's and, and that two degrees of elevation was made uh man-made so is we move dirt to do that <laughs> yeah that's like the dirt that covers the landfill right i mean <laughs> it's right, exactly yeah the swamp yeah, yeah. right yeah we're, we might be below it but uh what is the elevation of pig river just just out of curiosity um and you put me on the spot I want to say it's somewhere, give or take, around 1,100 or so. Is it? Wow, that's more than I thought it was. Shit. Yeah, I think it's somewhere around 1,100 feet elevation. That's. I'm at 64. Yeah. We're, we're 64 feet of elevation. Yeah. You're a little bit high. Yeah. So, Josh, when – let's go back. When did you first get, I guess, bit by the precision rifle bug to where it made you want to go down the path of which you have gone down and brought you to where you are today. Where did you get your start? When was it kind of what got piqued your interest in the, in the sport? Um, long and short answer, I guess on that would be, um, you know, you grow up as a kid fishing and hunting and all that jazz and running over the property where the range is at. Um, and then up here where I live an hour north. Uh, and you get into shooting, right? You get into hunting. You're shooting deer 100, 200, maybe 300 yards back in the day. You know, that's a long shot back then. Um, you join the Army, go infantry. You get a scout platoon for a little while. You get a heavy weapon squad. You go off and you do cool things with your scout platoon dudes. And, uh, you know, you get around the M24s and stuff that were still in the armories back in my day. And I've got some gray in my beard, right? Um, 
<laughs> and now granted I was I was an officer so I didn't get to play with all that the way that my guys did but <clears throat> oh shit I didn't know that yeah 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 go ahead and disown me now but uh you know I, I, I think I think that um all those different factors kind of contributed to a, a, a love you know not only just for firearms so to speak but more the precision aspect of firearms. I mean, I shot pistol for years and years, uh, local clubs here around me. And, uh, you know, obviously your standard AR stuff, you know, qualifying expert, expert infantry badge type stuff, you know, going out and testing for that. But my passion has always kind of been the longer range game. And uh, I came home from a deployment in 07 um, and, there had been some contributing factors in the family as to that piece of property where the range is located, right? And um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm out there bush in a field and looking over some cattle that were on the farm at that time. And I'm like, man, you know, that's pretty long ways. And at that point in time, I had like a, like a LRF 800 or something. And like, I can get more than 800 yards here. That's pretty cool. And then, you know, time evolves a little bit and uh, I guess built my first quote unquote precision rifle in 2013, 2014. Um, kind of mo- modeled it after a, a gap uh, hospitaller, right? Uh, 300 Win Mag. Um, and uh, started getting after it with that a little bit. Went down and shot. Um, some of Dan's matches at Bang Steel, you know, which are, are great for, mm-hmm. for new shooters to get into. It's, it's, it's a belly match, but it's, it's kind of faster paced where you might shoot, you know, 30, 40, 50 rounds over the course of seven or eight minutes at different targets at different distances. And then from there, you know, just totally hooked on the game, right? And uh, figured out pretty quick 300 win mag was not the way to go, right? When it came into this side of the sport not everybody's craig thomas rocking a 300 win mag at a prs match but um yeah no kidding what a beast right i mean he is a medium dude i was there yeah i was there when he won the the nrl match at frontline and i watched him shoot that damn thing and i was like is that what is that's a little long action what the hell and then you hear it was actually at the pipes at paul's and you hear that coming from that pipe when he was shooting. I said, damn, that is a wind mag. Yeah. And uh, and sure shit, he whipped ass with a wind mag. There you go. But uh, for us mere mortals. That was also my first long-range rifle was a 300 wind mag, by the way. A, okay. a Remington Sendero 300 wind mag. And I quickly was like, I don't want to shoot this a whole, whole lot. So Right, right. right. Yeah, I <laughs> when I moved to a 308. Four years ago for that thing. And I'm like, eh, it's there if I need it, right? But um, I was right yeah, over there, same reason. You know, got it, got into that, and then um, shooting down there, you know, on I call it the farm, you guys call it Pig River Precision, the range, right? But kind of started developing that a little bit, um, uh, and then you know went to a VPRC match, went to a frontline match kind of got a feel for how all that works, you know, as I was already working on, you know, essentially building Pig River Precision, you know, from the ground up and, and developing that into what it is now. And um, 
you know, started running mashes, I guess, publicly in 2018. So we're 18, 19, 20, 21, four years into it at this point in time, right? That's that's good, good infantry math, four years. And, uh, you know, we've just been really fortunate that, you know, we've been pretty well accepted by the community here locally and, and regionally, and I guess at this point in time nationally now. And, you know, we're, we're thankful to have that and thankful to be able to bring good experience to everybody that comes and shoots with us. So. You know, that's, that's a pretty cool, uh, like knowing, knowing, knowing where you are now with the range. It's a pretty cool story because of, you didn't have this. Yes, you're in the army, and yes, you kind of grew up shooting, you know, shooting rifles and everything. But it wasn't a. You didn't grow up in the actual sport, and right. you kind of stumbled across it, and then you kind of got your feet wet, and then shortly after you got your feet wet in it, you started the vision of Pig River Precision, and it was kind of. It sounds to me that it was kind of like a. Uh, you figured it out as you went along type thing and knowing where you ended up in, in the a short four years, that was, that's pretty amazing. Cause that it's, it's almost like a, an inspirational thing where if someone has a piece of property that they like doing this, they don't have to have this ginormous in depth background in this to be able to make something happen with it. If they, something they want to do, um, yeah. because I'll tell you, you've heard me say on the podcast, sitting, you know, jocking your dick that uh pig river is not just a facility and it's not just an amazing facility but you and what you've done with pig river to, uh, precision you make the uh the the shooting and the whole experience just that much better because of the a the way you run your match be of how hospitable you are and you keep the the fun level at the like uh, other than safety you keep the fun level at the foremost front of the of the whole um experience and it shows because i'll tell you between from the course of fire from the targets and from just over the last couple of years a lot of the props and things you've done for us to shoot out of and off of and all that stuff. It's, it, it's, it's fun every time. And I've never had a easy match at Pig River Precision, but I've never had an unfair match either to where targets were just stupid, small, or uh, like exceedingly too much movement in between positions for the time frame of which we're expected to shoot. Um, and it, n- none of that, it's been, man, this is a tough match, but damn, if it wasn't fair and God damn, if it wasn't fun as shit. So it, that's a, a balance that I think some match directors probably may not even know that they are fighting with because they may not know there's a problem, but because they're not shooting their own course of fire and they, you know, they don't realize and no one wants to say nothing to them because they want to be the, the, the guy that's bitching and moaning, but they, there's probably a lot of people that walk away from some matches. that are like, fuck, that was a bullshit stage or a couple of stages or man, those targets were just meatballs. It, that was like hitting a car door, you know, at 500 yards. I mean, it, it, it's, there's, it can go either way. It can either be so easy that it was like three points separate the first 
20 guys. Um, or it could be something like you're shooting aspirins out there in 15, 20 mile or 25 mile an hour wind. Uh, I've never had that feeling walking away from either a stage or even a match at Pig River Precision. And so you've, you've found that, that balance that is just, in my opinion, par- uh, paramount for a match director, which I've, don't get me wrong, I, I've never match directed a damn thing. But I, as a shooter, I kind of, I see what goes on, at least for the most part. Um, but I know you guys, you match directors, whether you're a good one or a bad one, there's a ton of damn work. You know, you're underappreciated for the work. I don't know that I'd say that, but, you know, there there is, there's a lot that goes into it, right? I mean, you know, whether it's just the liability of putting a match on, you know, the insurance side of things, um, uh, you know, the key piece really is having the property, I suppose, right? And I'm fortunate, you know, we've had oh, that yeah, property sure. in the family since 87. Um, I've been in a, uh, a structured lease purchase with my family that owns the property now for five years, I guess, right? Um, and that's a huge investment for me, right? But uh, I will tell you everything that we do there right? Whether it's building new props like the trench stage or adding the conics boxes or um, bringing in new props like we did this year at this year's ham. Um, we put that money back into the facility strictly for your benefit as shooters, you know, not not my benefit personally, whether it's financially or whatever. Um, you know, I'm happy. That's if, easily seen. I'm happy if we break even at the end of the year. Um, by the time we make land payments and cover all of our overhead and fuel and fertilizer and all that kind of crap, right? You know, I'm pretty picky about presentation because to me, um, first impressions are a lasting impression, you know, and that's just, that's human nature. And uh, when you come shoot a match with us, um, whether it's a one day, whether it's a, a a 22 match, whether it's, which we've just gotten into this year, um, since the PRS acquired the the PRS 22 side and started that off, um, whether it's coming and shooting the ham, whether it's coming and shooting a team match like we did earlier this year with Greg Walsh from Walsh Custom Defense, um, or coming out and just taking a training class with literally some of the best trainers in the country, right? I mean, they're flying in from Washington State or they're flying in from Montana or they're flying in, driving in from Georgia. Um, I want to bring an experience to everybody that comes, no matter what level they're at in their um, shooting career, whether it's competition or hunting oriented or whatever they're there to do. I want that experience to be one that they walk away from going, okay, I learned something. I saw something. Um, I had a good time with my buddies. Um, it was safe and I want to go back again. Right. You know, that's kind of the way all that was designed and laid out with the people that were helping me when we started it to begin with. And to go back to what you're talking about with, um, safety, with design, with camaraderie, with community in mind. Right. Um, it's not just me. You know, uh, there are a lot of people that volunteer time to be a part of that thing on the back end, you know, range maintenance, uh, 
run the weeder, right? Or, or painting targets, hanging magneto speeds. I'll tell you, with with Wayne Johnston, um, who is my number two right hand man that handles all the practice score stuff for us, uh, there's not many matches that you go to that you can literally have your scores for 90 to 100 and some people five minutes after the match is over with. And 99.9 percent of the time, they're in a single error, right? You know that's pretty incredible. Um, Hell, by the time you guys get back to your trucks, it's generally already already posted on practice score, and that's that's the standard that I think should be held by everybody. I know it's not always easy to do so, but you know, the minute you're done shooting, go back to your truck, download your gear, clear your rifle one last time, put it away, crack a beer, and, and hang out and have some fun, you know, and. Uh, I'm I'm proud to be able to offer that, and I'm proud to say I think I've got some of the best RO staff on the East Coast, if not the country. And, and those guys are truly what makes it happen, right? You know, they're volunteering their time, their Saturday, their Sunday, or whatever, to come out for the enjoyment of others. And and we all get, you know, our kicks too, because we're seeing our buddies, we're hanging out with our buddies, we're making fun of our buddies, you know, we're picking on them, we're high fiving them at the same time, and. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, after a long week of working the day job, it's always a pleasure, no matter how much pain it might be to get a match set up, you know, seven o'clock at night in the dark or whatever, two days or a week before a match or whatever. It's um, it's just a pleasure for me to come out there and do that. And I'm, I'm glad to have the opportunity to do that and interact with people from all over the country, from all all subsects of, of, of our communities, right? You know, doctors, lawyers, soldiers, sailors, brick masons, you know, the whole gamut. And I think that's what makes the shooting community as a whole, and more specifically to us, the long range precision community. Um, so cool is we all come from different walks of life. And, you know, we can sit out there and talk about just about damn near anything of shooting or, or outside of the, the sports. Um, and kind of bring all that together and build that community, right? Yeah, I, that's you hit it on 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 the head. It's the our community. I tell people that aren't that aren't in our community, at least not yet, or they they end up end up starting to to do this thing that we do. But I tell them, I said, man, the best thing about the competitive shooting. I mean, the the shooting I love and the shooting is fun, but for me personally, I I look forward to, and this sounds so cliche, but I really truly mean it. I look forward to the people I see and the conversations that I have, the jokes that I have. I look forward to that almost, if not definitely more than the actual shooting, because it's a time where people can almost like proverbially let down their hair and just be themselves have fun crack jokes um and and get away from you know everything in the country now you know really the world but especially our country everything that we hate is put in our faces all the time and then you know when something like this you have a match coming up and especially it helps when it's going to a facility like yours it becomes a, a destination it's almost like a, a reprieve from the 
pains of reality, you know, you get away from that. You're with like-minded people. You're able to just not stress. The only thing you're stressed about is like the damn wind. I mean, that's it. You know, <laughs> yeah. And there's we nothing else to stress about. Right. Holy that, shit, dude. That lat the, let's see the match that I shot up there earlier this year. Um, Oh my God, the day two, the wind was fucking retarded, man. I and I have never that's like the most wind I shot in. I know when we were up on the Connex box, we were clocking wind at like gusts of like twenty five to twenty eight mile an hour. This yeah. down east south boy, I, I ain't shot in shit like that before. Yeah. You know, I know people in Oklahoma are scoffing at that in Texas and stuff, but if you ain't you know, used to it or whatever, you're not there for it, then you don't you don't know what it feels like until you do. I mean, I was like holding two and a half mils, almost three mils on the 1135. I've never held that much wind on anything. And it was just, but it was there. And, um, and I ended up getting a hit one out of the, what, two or three shots on that target. But, um, it was, it was crazy. But yeah, the point being is that that's what you have to worry about. You don't have to worry about the real things that matter in life. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you got going on at home, whatever's going on in the country, whatever you got going on at work, these matches are, I mean, it's just like anything. You People say the same thing about fishing or or mountain climbing or whatever, but for us, the shooting is it. And these matches only underscore that to where it it's almost like a big fucking party with guns. I mean, you know, the things that we love, firearms, and it's a big party with them, you know? Yeah. 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 And you've got a facility that in it, it and the word facility, it, it facilitates that very thing that we're out there to do. And it's so much fun. I mean, between the the um, like the paddock area, your big overhang, the nice parking lot. And then, you know, the just the view um, around the 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 stages and stuff it's it's gorgeous man especially from someone that's you know it look at my window there it's flat as shit out there and it's now you got it's a beautiful thing yeah i know the indoor dry firing training system is my escape from reality when i'm here at home i look at that i'm like man i feel like i'm in the foothills of of utah or some shit there you go yeah but i moved that out of the way you see beans coming up across a flat ass field so But, uh, um, I tell you, you, I'm with you. You know, that's one of the things too, that like, you know, you're talking about wind. We're one of those very few places, I think on the East coast where with the, um, the terrain that we have, you know, right there at the foot of the mountain, um, the weather patterns that we get, the, um, the hills, that little valley and some of those gullies and cuts and stuff that you're shooting over those create some kind of unique wind situations that you don't get on the flat ranges elsewhere. Um, but they're real world, right? I mean, I can't replicate what you have out when you shoot matches out West. I haven't shot a match out West. Um, I look forward to doing so, but, um, you know, that's real world stuff where you're reading a a hard left to right and you think you're going to hold a mill or whatever. And, 10, 12, 14 miles of, of wind or whatever there. And you, you get out there and there's a crosswind that you can't even see because it's, it's coming out of a gully that's, you know, 100 meters wide, 100 yards wide between one target and another. 
and it's doing something completely different or you're catching an updraft or whatever it might be that you don't get that other places and and if you're a new shooter that can be frustrating if you're a, a very experienced shooter you're there to figure it out and once you figured it out you know for that day you kind of know what's up um but i don't think that that's something that you get many other places within a six or seven hour drive of where we're at you know here in virginia i completely agree and what you're talking about specifically and it, we've and everyone's heard this i'm not you know breaking any news or anything but uh you know wind moves just like water does and if you think of like a river where a river bends and it narrows the current like a river a river that's wide and then narrows and then winds back out in that narrow portion of the river the current is much much faster because it has less place for it to spread out and it all has to feed in it speeds up that's exactly what's going on at um at pig river where it just and it looks just like a river i mean it's it is it's pig river i mean it goes through that look like a little small canyon but the canyon's not like miles away it's right in front of your face and so there's about Two seconds after that, if not less, that bullet leaving your muzzle, it is going into something that A, you cannot see, and B, uh, it's hard to hell even account for because it's, I mean, there's no uh, topography or or, uh, vegetation feature that gives it away. There's no trees in the middle of it. No, it's, it's invisible, but it is there. And you're looking at the target. I'll tell you this. I've had to wear it on my tripod. I've got a streamer on my tripod. It's blowing dead in my face, like 100% 12 o'clock wind. I look at the target, and I can see mirage or, or whatever, a little bit of vegetation that may be around some of the targets, and it is moving uh, maybe a little bit left to right, but you're holding a lot of wind left because that's what you're finding of what you're shooting through in that little canyon area and it makes it very difficult but tricky and fun if you have a good attitude about it it can be fun you can learn from it right but it's your the terrain there is 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 so cool it's a it's very pleasing to the eyes but it is also um very very tricky and it's uh i just listened to uh phil and kaylin's uh latest podcast today on wind and it just made me think about when they came to Virginia to, to Pig River Precision to put on a clinic there. Um, they had to have seen a lot of that. And before the shooters got there, they shot, I'm sure, shot some out there and kind of like, hey, look, this is kind of cool, you know, because this is something that we can discuss in, in the course. I didn't take it, unfortunately. I was I forgot what I was doing. I was doing something else that weekend. Um but uh, I'm sure that's what they covered that because it is something that you've got to deal with. There's no way around it. You're dealing with it when you're shooting there. And it's, it's really cool. And it is unique. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that you've got going on, too, and I'm not going to give away too many secrets here, but I'll, I'm just going to tell you. Um, light and light refraction and shooting in the morning there and certain times of the day when you have that you know it's an easternly facing range right so your your early morning to mid-morning hours if you're having issues at long distance maybe your scope is uh collecting too much light and the target's not exactly where you think it might be 
Um, if you're having elevation issues, you also have those updrafts or downdrafts and all that kind of stuff. And again, that's stuff that you don't get in the same fashion on flat ranges, right? And uh, I, I think it's cool that, you know, we have those challenges. And again, if you're a newer shooter and you're listening to this, don't come there and get frustrated because you're shooting at one of the more challenging venues because of the environmental factors. Um, and, and again, too, so that makes it tough for me as an MD when you're setting up a match, whether it's a, a one-day match or whether it's a two-day, to make sure that you're giving everybody um, an equitable chance for success um, and also a chance to learn from, I wouldn't call it failure, right, by not hitting a target, but to learn from those environmental issues that you might have from wind, light, rain, suns, you know, whatever, right? I lost you for a second, Josh. Three inch. All those things just contribute to the environment that you're in and that's real world right when you come shoot at our place absolutely i lost you there for a second you kind of froze up on me but i know exactly what you're talking about and i'll tell you what i am one of the and i'm sure you heard it on my if you listen to all the episodes you've heard me talk about your rain that match last summer the hand match last year in particular uh, I remember it was the it was the prone stage, not on. Okay, so I started out the morning on the Connex box. I started out that morning, and <laughs> I think I got like no, 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 that one was fine. I think I got like seven or eight hits out of ten or whatever. Start the day off great. The very next stage, I believe, was the barric was the PRS barricade or something like that. Fine on right. that, I believe. And then the the second prone stage on your belly in front of the uh, the storage Connex box and bricks was the damn RO. And you remember he come brings that damn Swarovski fucking thing you can see the future in that big ass yeah. Bama. Yeah, yeah. He had that and he's underneath the the pop up tent. And I the first back. yeah, and his little chair just chilled back like that, hanging out and. Uh, Anyway, uh, I was one of the first few shooters, I think, of, of that stage. And um, uh, first target was like 800, then uh, 850, 9, 950, 1,000, something like that along those lines. And I shot – now, mind you, I remember the first target was over to the right a little bit in front of the tree line, on the lower level in front of the tree line. And I shot nothing. I was like, I didn't see anything. The mirage at this point was already pretty wicked. Um, I shot again, nothing. I was like, damn it. Like, I, was my dope wrong? I, I went to the next target. Same thing. Dude, I zeroed the damn stage. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? And then Bricks was like, dude, I'm watching your bullet through this, this fucker here. He said, you were, your wind call was perfect. You were exactly a half a mil high and you barely sailed over the top of the target on every target. He said, if you had been a half mil lower, you would have cleaned this stage. And I was like, son of a bitch. And I was like, man, my, my shit done sped up. I, 
I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And I because I at that time had yet to experience that light refraction error. I had no idea that that's what I was doing because everything looked normal. Everything looked the same and it does. Um, but I was like, what the fuck? So I, I was like, all right, well, I held this and uh, on the 800 and add a, uh, I should take away half a mil. I need to speed up my, I sped my Kestrel up like 150 feet per second to get to match what that would have been. But that was my last long range stage of the day. And so every other stage, it was, you know, 600 and in 120, 150 feet per second on a lot of targets at 600 and in, it's going to absorb that difference in what your dope is. So I didn't have any issues for the rest of the day. I wasn't, you know, low on everything for the rest of the day. Right. I was hitting targets. And then I talked to Aaron Hip the next day and I brought it up. He said, dude, I had the same damn thing happen to me. He said, and I asked Josh if I could go out there and true something because I had some gun problems and I used my original dope. Now, mind you, he shot it in the morning. It was the afternoon when he went back and he said, dude, my original dope, I centered up every target. He said, it's a light refraction. I said, oh, my God, are you serious? So I went back in my Kestrel and, and re-put in everything it was, and there was no more dope issue for me. But, that, I mean, that was something that I learned that day. And the problem with it is – you don't know when it's going to happen. Like you just, I have yet to speak to anybody. Like I've asked Keith Baker. I've asked Phil and Kalen. I've asked Frank Galley. I took Frank Galley and Mark Taylor's course in Tennessee. Uh, I asked them. No one says typically this, the rule of thumb is sun's up guns up, right? The sun is up. Then your dope is going to be up, but it, it still isn't. There's no exact, Hey, if the sun is, above the target to where you can see it in your target you're gonna go high or if it's all the way around it's gonna go low i have yet to to hear a single thing so hey believe the bullet but don't always believe your eyes i was shooting where the target was not that was the problem there was nothing wrong with the bullet there was nothing wrong with my scope there was nothing wrong with my dope it was something wrong with environmentals and you know that's not going to be easy to to compensate for that type of thing but hey i dealt with it at paul's too yeah, the, yeah uh, say, it'll happen at frontline too it'll happen down it happened and, and, and you know here's the thing you know again we're talking about long-range shooting right it's legitimately weaponized math and science right and you can have all the coolest stuff out there you can have the the most expensive scope the most expensive chassis, the best barrel in the world that maybe bricks with that thing that season of the future is making for you or whatever, right? Um, You know, all those things combined don't make the shooter, right? And the shooter has to have the data to be able to make it all come together, right? I mean, it's, it's a science and it takes... Lots and lots and lots of rounds downrange to figure that out, right? I mean, you can't just come yeah. out and be a, a phenomenal PRS shooter unless you're putting the time into the game. And and that's absolutely the your knowledge is the most important gear that you've got and your head and, and like you said, experience because 
given that was the first time at Pig River is the first time I'd ever experienced that before. The second time was at Paul's back in February of last of 2020 in the snow when we had the, the snow match or whatever um, on his. Uh, it was the KYL rack at 750 or whatever it was. Um, I We like half over half my squad zeroed the stage. It was our first stage of the day. And we found out that the squad behind us did the same exact thing. Almost almost the whole squad zeroed that stage. And, you know, as the day went on and the sun changed positions, then people weren't having really issues with it. But um, and so it's happened to me twice. And so now I know what I'm going to do from now on. If I start missing targets and there should be no real reason, like wind isn't wrong, uh, there's no wind at all. Um, or whatever, I'm going to start hunting north and south of that target to see, to maybe I'll keep a, away from a zero. I'd rather have a five than a zero, of, of course, but not only that, but it's going to, okay, I know that going forward for the next stages. Uh, so I'm not, I'm trusting my equipment. It's very rare unless you've got something wrong to where if you've got all your poop in a group, when it comes to your equipment, you're not just going to magically speed up 150 feet per second or 170 feet per second. If you do, and it, it really is doing that, you've got a issue with a carbon ring in your barrel and you're building pressure or you've got something else wrong. But if everything is right, trust your equipment and realize that there's things that you may not fully understand that's going on and yeah. continue to trust your equipment and then problem solve. Uh, troubleshoot of what you could be missing as far as your environmentals. And I will from now on, uh, it will not bite me to and leave me, um, you know, puzzled again. I'll know that, Hey, I've seen this before change my game plan going forward in that day and know that this is a possibility of something I'm dealing with right now and trust your equipment, a trust, trust your dope. You know, you gathered it. If you shot yesterday and you squared up all the targets all the way out, it ain't going to be no different the next day, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. People got to do that. Yeah. Stop thinking about the what ifs and think about what you do now. All right. And then if you've confirmed zero and you've confirmed dope previously, hey, you'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something I, something I want to give everybody a little little uh, pro tip on for shooting at Pig River Precision. If you're shooting the AccuShot Challenge at Pig River Precision, I have two words of wisdom for you. One being dial one-tenth low on your scope. Because the targets are uh, just enough below you. Uh, introducing an angle to where it equates to one-tenth of elevation. You need to dial down one-tenth because you're going to be a tenth high. I know my zero, my zero is on if I shoot at Pig River at the 100-yard range and I got a tenth high. I know my, my zero is dead nuts because it's always done that as many times I've shot there. It's always a tenth high. So if you're shooting the action shot challenge, dial down a tenth. The second pro tip is make sure no one shoots your AccuShot challenge card. <laughs> AKA, don't give away your shooter number to anybody else there, especially if you're my buddy Aaron Hip. Yeah. 
that for sure. Um, oh, that thing looked like Swiss cheese, man. Yeah, well, I you came to me on we oh, did. Was, at, no, that was that was Dave Preston's Gray Ops challenge. Um, I think it's when he shot it all to pieces. Oh, okay. Or, or, his shot all the pieces. Yeah, everybody else shot his shit to shit. It there, shot you yeah. there, there you go. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> last year at the, uh, well, I think it was the ham match. I can't remember. You came to me day two, I believe, or whatever, the, later in the afternoon or whatever day we had, the we did the Axe Shot Challenge. I think it was day two because they did they announced it for the award ceremony. It was day two. So okay. d- morning, morning of day one. Everybody went. If you wanted to shoot it, you shot it. Here's your shooter number. Shoot your card. You came to me. I mean, I felt pretty good about my card. You know, it, it looked good to me from 100 yards. Um, but honestly, I didn't think nothing of it after that. You drove up to me on a stage and were like, David, I got to talk to you for a second. I was like, what's up? And you said, what do you want me to do about this? And you showed me my card. My card was center punched and he said, you won this. And there was a hole in my card about two and a half inches up and to like the right or something like that. Not even in the the spade on the card. It was up in the white. Right. right. And I was like, I think it was a different diameter bullet too. If memory serves me right, but it didn't look the same as mine anyways. And you said, what do you want me to do about it? And I said, Josh, I know where my bullet is on that, but you do not know where my bullet is. And I can't prove to you either direction definitively of which one is mine. So go, who's got the next one? You said, Keith Baker, the car right beside yours. I was like, damn, I've beat Keith Baker and I can't even gloat. Son of a bitch. <laughs> the only thing I'll ever beat that motherfucker at is that day. And somebody had to go and piss in my cornflakes and uh, ruin my parade. But Keith had, I mean, I couldn't tell really the difference between mine and his, 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 I mean, oh, you know, it's, it's, I'm, it's, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was, and I, you know, I couldn't have picked a better guy. To have won it. Keith, I love Keith, and he is a, a personal dear friend of mine. And, um, yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm glad it just wasn't somebody whom I didn't like, which those people are few and far between. Few and far between. In, in this sport, going back to what we were talking about earlier, man, it's this. I've got a couple that I ain't saying no names, and, and you know who I'm talking about because I've com- not just me, me and others have complained to you about this person in the past. But uh, there are a couple people that I'm just not fans of, but those are two or three people as opposed to the hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of people that I have met in the last six years of doing this. And that just goes to show that this sport really does attract some of the best of what this country has to offer in people. It it really does. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Agree you know, that. I, you know, I love, I love my jujitsu, my jujitsu community, and everybody in my academy, and everybody that I've met from me doing jujitsu in the eight months I've been doing it. But there's a lot more shitheads in jujitsu than there are in in precision rifle shooting because I, I that to me, 
it's just what I the pedestal of what I put precision rifle on is the people that make it up. Yeah. You know, yeah. the guns are great, the the matches are fun, it's cool. The people are everything because they embody of what the the character and the type of people whom I wish 100% filled this country. Unfortunately, well, we have complete pieces of shit that live amongst us, uh, and they're they're outbreeding us, by the way. So they're 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 born and they're breeding every day. But the precision life community it boasts, in my opinion, the the most salt of the earth and highly characterful, if that's a word, people that this country has to offer. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm it, tracking. With- I'm, I might have made it up, but it sounded damn good in my head. So. Hey, 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 it, it came across the mic fine. You know, I, I, and you take that and you can compound on that, right? If you look at organizations like what Gary um, has Hell done yeah. Guardian, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that's a phenomenal organization from what they do for the local community and where the match is held, right? You know, you're, you're picking a charity um, – that is receiving donations from a charity that are going to directly impact the lives of people that are right there in the same community. And, and, and hopefully that does a great thing and it brings people up right and appreciative of what they are able to um, be given at a, at a young age um, and puts them on the path of success. Right. You know, um, and then you look around at all these other match directors out here, you know, Paul Smith there at Frontline, you've got Andy and Brian with VPRC here locally. We're very blessed that we have a community that have people that are, are putting the time and work into uh, other places to go shoot. And you have the chance to go out here and shoot matches in different venues. You've got Quantico that's now popped up over there, um, which is run by another fellow VMI grad. Um, you got so- Coleman Creek. Coleman's Creek, which is a great range there, um, and, and others, right? Um, but if you look across the country, I mean, I, I consider myself pretty blessed to be um, you know, representing an organization like the PRS, and there's others out there that are phenomenal organizations too. And um, be, um, be judged on the same level as people that are, you know, true – pillars of this community right i mean you absolutely look george gardner out there running the matches that he runs i mean i i told george at uh, the finale in 19 when i was out there ROing it man you know your guns are what really inspired me to get into this thing and you know hope to one day own one of them right um and then you've got you know what shannon's doing at um at K&M and you've got arena and you've got all these, you know, Altus, right. I mean, excuse me, not arena, but all these other great places. And again, like you said earlier, I think you said pig rivers a destination. Well, all those are destinations as well. Right. And, and getting the chance to go shoot there, meet different people, different subsects of uh, society and different subsects of the different regions. That's just cool stuff, man. Um, you've got other sponsors and we need to talk about sponsors because that's an important piece of this thing. absolutely you, you got chris baxter down there with zoom you know bringing over a, a company that is you know nationally if not world renowned for for their baits and all that that's now they are they are world renowned 
big shout out to them to to do what they're doing because it does cross over quite a bit, right? You know, a lot of us are outdoorsmen. Um, I've I've used Zoom baits for freshwater. I've used Zoom baits for as long as I've been able to buy my own tackle. You know what I'm saying? It's yep. has always been in my tackle box. Right now, there's it's full of Zoom baits. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how many finesse worms I've bought off of them in my time frame. Oh I'm shit! Sure watermelon. Watermelon, June bug, um, crap. Put me on the spot now, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, it, it's really cool that they're doing, he's making that crossover because like you said, a lot of us are general outdoorsmen, not just in shooting or not even just hunting, but fishing, trapping, boating, uh, you name it. I mean, you, there's, there's, you know, 30% or, or better in every, at every match are also outdoorsmen of other, uh, sex you know of being of outdoors yeah 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 absolutely you know we're hunters we're fishermen we're mountain bikers we're you know i've got one uh one particular guy that's just a good friend i mean he shins me a chainsaw every year right so every year when you come shoot the ham there is a steel chainsaw sitting there on the table and that's always one of the top five things that come off the table right and that's pretty cool I need one right now. I need to win one at the, you need to get one for the guardian. Cause I'm coming, I'm shooting the guardian <laughs> and uh, I'll like to get that damn chainsaw. There you go. There you go. But yeah, so what, that's, that's one of those things. And remind me to talk about sponsors here in a little bit when we get into oh, we, all that. Absolutely. Well, that's actually what I was about to uh, want to, I'm sorry, I'm grabbing another beer out of my mini fridge, my man uh-huh. cave beer fridge. I need one of those down here in my little man cave. Oh, I love it. My in-laws got me this for keeping beer up in my reloading room. I'm out of ice. Oh, well, I'll live. Yeah, you'll live. You got to drink it. You got to drink it neat. That's right. But uh, so we just had, what has it been, three three weeks since the ham? Uh, June yeah. 5th and 6th, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's falls about- on D-Day. Um, right that's right yeah let's let's talk about let's talk about that first of all before we get into the actual match itself you you've had it on the same weekend and i'm guessing it was by design to have it on d-day is that something that's like close and near and dear to you yeah so so the first year we had it um which was a 19 which was our second year um as a public match holding facility right and and let me just touch on that that's all we do right we do not do memberships people call and ask me about that i send them to paul at frontline or i send them to quantico depending on where they're at or um coleman's creek cavalier over there in yorktown um we're specific to matches you know what what i have time for personally um you know, I've got a young family still, right? I'm 15 years married, and I'm married to an attorney, so I, I, I really can't afford to get divorced. It's not going to work out too well for me. She's got too good of an attorney herself. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we try to scale our operation to what we see we have time for and, and also try to be um, 
cognizant of those around us, which I think is pretty cool that I've got one of my direct neighbors ROs for me damn near every match. You know, faint shout out to, to Brett. Um, another RO or another 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 neighbor is um, damn near there for every single match as a shooter. And and this year at the hand, I had two other neighbors um, that were over there for their first time in, in the four years that we've been there just observe. And they just like, man, this is so cool. You know, yeah. bother us or, or whatever. But again, I don't want it every single day or, or every weekend or anything like that. Cause you know, we are actively farming that property as well. And you know how bad it would suck ass if like your neighbors were shitheads. It, it wouldn't be fun. Um, but you know, again, we're fortunate, you know, we're in a part of the County where that really doesn't matter anyways. Um, yeah, it makes things so much easier. They're so cool, and it's it actually brings more of another sense of community to well the physical community of around the range. It's really bingo. cool. Bingo! Yeah, we've got another neighbor that you know he has the the lease on that mountain above us. He comes out and shoots with his son as well, and um, I'm not going to say that it's not within. Uh, the near future where potentially we have the ability to be shooting off the top of that mountain for a specific type of events, if it's a ELR type deal or, or whatever. And, you know, you want to talk about getting a little yeah, angle fired, you know, there you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, to, to kind of come back around on that, and I think I've already forgotten your question, but, uh, the D day about D day being important. Are, our, our first match was held in September in 19. That was when Vortex was her title sponsor. Um, and that was the year that uh, I had the honor uh, of, of being named the Precision Rifle Series Match Director of the Year, which kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I was actually going to bring that up specifically, but you, you beat me to it, so nice. I, I figured you were, so I'm going to go ahead and... We'll, cir- we'll circle back around to that. We'll circle back around to that. <laughs> Yeah, um, so that was a, a really cool match and really enjoyed doing it. Um, last year, we had Buck Holly from C&H as our title sponsor, and he built a phenomenal rig, brought a couple pistols up. It was a great table, you know, with, with Buck there. And, you know, this year, between Buck and uh, um, Jason, you know, they were federal and, and Drew Walter and what Jason's been able to come together with um, there with federal. You know, we had a thousand primers available to every single shooter that was at the match. And um, if you ever want to RO, right, and your quality RO, every RO at the match this year got a thousand free from me. So. Nice. Uh, we all know how valuable primers are in today's market, right? And, and shout out to Jason for figuring out a way with Federal to bring that product direct to consumer, um, you know, limited quantities. But we were able to bring that direct to the consumer to keep the PRS guys um, active and shooting matches by yeah, getting able to compete com- components that they needed, right? Um, so. Yeah, last year it kind of fell on D-Day. Uh, this year, um, D-Day was on Sunday. And, yes, it does have a special place to me. So uh, the majority of my military career 
was with um, the first of the 116th Infantry, 29th Infantry uh, uh, Division. So if you're familiar with D-Day, which I'm sure you are, and, and for those of you at home, I'm going to try my best not to screw this up. And if I do, uh, shame on me because I'm a history major, right? Um, the 29th ID kind of got the the task mainly for Omaha and, and Normandy beaches um, in the invasion on D-Day. And uh, Alpha Company, first of the 116th, which was my first duty station um, as a young second lieutenant um, and, and previously enlisted, um, was the company that had the most casualties inflicted on D-Day per capita from the town that they were from, which is Bedford, Virginia. And that's about a 35 minute drive from the range. If you go to Bedford and I encourage everybody to do so, uh, the National D-Day Memorial is there in Bedford. And it was chosen because of that reason, right? I As it, it should have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a very powerful place. It's a somber place. Um, so there's that aspect of it. Um, I touched on a little bit in our, our post-match video where myself and Tom Fuller, I kind of called Tom out on the spot to come up and, and talk a little bit as well. Um, my grandfather was a, uh, a second infantry division infantryman, and um, he landed D-Day plus one um, there at, at Omaha Beach in, in Normandy and uh, basically fought his way across France. He was one of a very few people that were key leaders in the second infantry division that went through uh, a very specific ranger training program the second id had it's 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 a pretty cool thing if you if you study up on that and i remember him telling me that as a kid and uh you know getting to spend some time around him he was combat wounded bronze star recipient world war ii um, platoon sergeant at the point, or tech sergeant, I think is what it was called at that point in time. Um, by the time that uh, his unit um, had made it to uh, Leipzig, France, where he took a couple MG42 rounds to his knee mm. in a nighttime raid, taking a bridge. Um, but, you know, he had survived the Battle of the Bulge, um, led a platoon at uh, Eiselborn Ridge, where, you know, he and a light infantry squad and, and, and company, or platoon, excuse me, um, essentially straight went to war with uh, the 14th Panzer Division, mm. which was uh, Joaquin Piper, who was trying to break out and go to Antwerp, right? So imagine what that was like for him. You know, it's freezing ass cold outside, there's two feet of snow on the ground, and you've got an entire Panzer column coming at you. And I think if you study the history of the 2nd Infantry Division, they gave up zero ground uh, in that particular engagement. And uh, he never really came out and talked about that too much until after I'd gone through VMI and had commissioned. And it's like, look, just do me one favor. You know, wherever you wind up, whatever you do, don't be a shitty platoon leader, right? And <clears throat> he kind of went into... Um, telling me about a couple that he had had and he turned down two battlefield commissions in his time 
there with the second ID in, in World War II, and um, mm. he was just tired of writing letters home. And I, I think that when you take all that information that I just gave you and you think about the struggles that those guys went through and, you know, hundreds of days in continuous combat, and that's not taking anything away from the service members of today where you roll out of a FOB or a patrol base or, or whatever, and you go take the fight to the enemy. Um, that's real, right? Um, but to you do can't, it, you they, can't even compare the two. You can't it's because not, it's a different war. It's a whole different war. It's a whole different, uh, you know, then they were fighting against a nation state. They were fighting against a uniformed enemy who they can look, you are my enemy. And it was um, to, uh, you know, contrast with, you know, the war in Afghanistan and Iraq and everything in between. It's. Everyone either is could be the enemy or there could not be the enemy, and yeah. you had that just everything about it is different. Yeah, but uh, changed. everything has changed. Technology's changed, right? I mean, but you know, my intent was to make sure that we do not forget about those who set the stage for us, right? They, whether on purpose or by happenstance, um, were you know, brought into that conflict um, and plenty of folks lost their lives in defense of the guys on the left and right of them and also in defense of what we have here in the sanctity of, of what I call America and the freedoms for which it stands for, you know, and that's politics aside, you know, who gives a rat's ass if you're on the left or the right, as far as I'm concerned, be a good person, be a good American. And, and uphold what people since 1776 have died to accomplish. And I think that's what we really have to look at if we're going to talk about where America's going for the future. And I'm not here to talk politics. We're here to talk about shooting. So. Well, and yeah, but honestly, though, that's the beauty of my podcast is that I cover the widest array of topics, politics included, but um, I, I will say I will say this, and I want this to be understood in the way that I'm meaning to say it is the but thank God that happened. World War II happened when it happened to the generation that participated, because if this generation today had to go through. What and like you said a minute ago, not to take away from any of the servicemen, me and you were. What year did you uh, get commissioned, or in, did you start out enlisted, or did you go straight and be commissioned? So I was sitting in, um, I was sitting in an economics class, I believe it was, um, in Scott Ship Hall at the Virginia Military Institute when September 11th happened, and I was, uh, let's see. I'd have been a, a sophomore that year, I guess. And um, you know, you look around, and, and and VMI is one of the more, if not the most, in my opinion, prestigious military schools in the country. You know, uh, there's there's West Point, there's the Naval Academy, there's the Air Force Academy. Uh, what VMI teaches 
young men and, and now young women as well is uh, true selfless service. You know, the citizen soldier, this, the, that's, that's kind of the embodiment of what that school is all about. And there are a lot of great guys that were in my class and to my left and right that were already on a commissioning track. And I had been kind of waffling as to whether or not I wanted to do that coming out of the VMI. Well, you know, I I'd had a, a really good uh, ROTC instructor, um, Ranger Bat, uh, Sergeant First Class, Randy Thornton. I'll, I'll go ahead and throw his name out here. And Randy had been on me about joining. Um, and, you know, I looked to my left and looked to my right, and I'm like, you know what? If, if we're going to war, which, you know, we know we are, right? Um, then it's time for me to be a piece of that. I've got it in my heritage. I've got it in my family. Service is important to us. And uh, off I went, right? So I was a late commissionee coming out of VMI and uh, took commission in 03. I enlisted immediately after September 11th and kind of got my head straight about, you know, what I wanted to do there. And, Mission, uh, purpose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's a whole different ballgame than it was on September 10th, right? Um, the needs of the Army, you know, they're going to send you where they want you. You don't have control over that. But, um, you know, I would encourage anybody, you know, young, um, looking for purpose in life, looking for direction, looking for an opportunity to mature, uh, join the services, learn a trade, learn, learn leadership, learn skill sets that while you know shooting somebody in the face as a sniper might not necessarily translate to the civilian world in most jobs other than police snipers or whatnot contract you learn yeah good contract it's it's the leadership and the maturity that that kind of stuff gives you that's going to make you a better person right so whether it be in your career or in your everyday life at home with your spouse with your children with your coworkers, whether it's your employees or even your superiors at whatever job you may end up having. All of that translates over from lessons that you learn in the military. You know, there's there's a saying about make sure that your kids are coachable, like sports. If they're not coachable, they can never lead and they could they'll, they'll they'll never contribute to the greater society. It's they they cannot take direction. Well, you are just about forced to learn that in the military. And I, I enlisted in um, 05. I was a sophomore in high school when 9-11 happened. And I knew that that day that I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. I didn't know if it was going to be Army, Air Force, maybe the Navy. I love the water. Like, don't want to be a Navy. I was like, no, I don't want to be stuck on a fucking ship. You know, I'm too claustrophobic for that shit. Um, but, uh, you know, but, you know, my parents begged me, begged me literally on their knees, pleaded with me not to join the army. They didn't try to steer me away from joining the service. They said, don't join the army. Cause of course my dad was in the 82nd. Um, but they just thought because of what we can see on TV happening in Oh five, you know, there I'm going to be a bullet cushion. So they're like, please, please join the Air Force. I was like, well, yeah, I can fucking turn wrenches and shit. So I was a, a mechanic in the Air Force. But, you know, we both we both enlisted as an enlisted person and as being a, a commissioned officer. 
in a time of war. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that that there's something to be said about that, not tooting our horn or anything, but because all there's been hundreds of thousands of men and women to do that since that day. Um, and that's great. And they fought a war that is a very, very tough war, um, especially when a lot of times your commander in chief has had you handcuffed uh, during that time of war. I understand that. But to what your point was earlier, what you were trying to get across is thank God that World War II, that type of war, or even Vietnam, but especially World War II, did not happen today and with this generation of young men and young women because I don't know I don't know how I'm, I'm trying to be careful how I say this I don't want it to come off as a way that I don't mean but I kind of want to make sure what I do mean does come across that I, I don't know that today we have raised our young men and women with the the character and the gumption for in de- for defense of their country that guys were drafted for they did a lot of them did not raise their hand they were told to but they still fought with the conviction of someone who did raise their hand and they fought a very scary scary war um and I mean, D-Day at Omaha Beach, I, I can't think of, and you're a history major, I'm an amateur history fan, I don't know of a, a battle that was as damning to one side going into it that still went into it and ended up seizing the day. I don't know of a single one other than Normandy. It, it it says so much things about the the men that participated in that day. Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you, man. I mean, that, that's a that's a defining a defining moment of that conflict for sure, right? I mean, there's there's just think about the scope of what all was entailed there. Whether it was you know the Allied bombardment, the Navy, the Army, everything that was. Uh, the Air Force, you know, the Army Air Force that was involved with that. Think about the uh, the glider infantry that was involved, you know, in the 82nd, the 101st, jumping in into the, the hedgerows. And um, there hasn't been a armada or a, a manpower uh, push to that level in a combat since, I don't believe, um, well, thank I God. I mean, I might be wrong on that. We we may have been in a similar circumstance by by numbers with the initial invasion of Iraq, you know, uh, in the Gulf War, or or even this this most recent time. I, I don't think so. But um, you know, I think that there are still 100% um, true American patriots uh, in today's times, and I mm-hmm. think there are young men. Any young women that uh, heed that call, and I think that the the level of folks that are um, coming into service now uh, in time of war, um, much like yourself, you know, you said you you enlisted in 05. You know, you knew what you were potentially getting into. Um, and then, of course, you know, again, the, the needs of the military are going to define your path, mm-hmm. um, yeah, at least 
80% of the time, right? Um, uh, I, I feel like as a country with the technology and the um, the uh, I'm, I'm searching for a word here, and this is what happens when you get gray in your beard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, all of the the niceties that we have here at home have have kind of made us soft to a degree. I mean. Um, but I'll tell you, too, at the same point in time, I think that the people that are taking the fight to the enemies of the country today are just as good as the folks that did it in 1944. And, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking up until now, I was like, well, OK, I didn't want people to take it away. I didn't mean it. But what I should have said when I said it was the vast, vast majority of the men and women that are signing up. Yes. That especially in time of war, they are those people. Yes. If we are. had a draft in 2021 and had to get the numbers of which we needed back in 1943, 1944, yeah. Yeah. that is what I meant. I meant the average American, not the average serviceman. The average American today yeah. is not made of the same thing that the average American of yesteryear and not they're not made of the same thing as today's active duty and veterans. I know you and I both have the same heart and the same conviction that, you know, every patriot that ever served and ever died for this country had. I have that. I mean, this gets me emotional. Like it's hard, um, yeah. especially yeah. given what this weekend is about coming up. Yeah. You know, we've got two. We got two. Very important and very important is not even the it's not even does not do it justice of what um, these two weekends that are very within almost to the day, a month apart. Um, yeah. But it's of D-Day and the 4th of July yeah. and 4th of July is very special to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, you know, we just came off Memorial Day right before and you got D-Day, the, the anniversary of D-Day, you've got. The Fourth of July, you know, Veterans Day, all all these things. And I think that's a great thing that we celebrate all those and understand the importance of each. And, and um, you know, I've, I've lost a lot of friends um, that I grew up with, you know, in the military, uh, in in college, uh, in defense of this country. And uh, I'm just thankful to be here and, and do what we do, and again, create the community that we that we have. So. Yeah. And in our in our in our shooting community is chalk full of these very Americans of whom we're talking about right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, even that's the cool thing, right? You know, you're going to come shoot a match at pig or frontline or um, out in Kentucky or Tennessee. And, you know, you're going to be around folks that have, you know, hey, the farmer down the street. Right. Um or you're going to be shooting with the the best that this country has to offer, you know, when we talk about our special forces or whatever and all, all different branches of that. And, and Hey, you're just going to find out they're just normal guys, just like me and you. Right. And Hey, they don't want to be treated any differently than anybody else. And you know, Dan and Bryce come to mind over anybody. Those are two of the most plenty of those names. Uh, but yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Approachable, the most approachable and uh, giving back whatever that term would be of a person that you can ask for. And you are there shooting with the, like you said, two, they could be two of the most, you know, capable and deadly men that we have in our country right now. And yet I shoot matches with them all the time. I've, I call them, I text them all the time. And, you know, it, it's so cool to, uh, share the same space and, and, and enjoy the same sport as they do along with them and then break bread and, and drink beers with them afterwards. It's, it's, I don't know of anything else that I have that with other than shooting precision rifle. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's good stuff. Well, let's get back to the hand. We, we got, I'm so easy to sidetrack, especially when we get talking about history and patriotism in this country and our, our past, you know, great Americans we've had, it gets me emotional and talking and I'll go, I'll talk about it all night long. But right. uh, I'm, so I'm, I'm going to walk away for one second. I'm listening. Though. You get right ahead. Now, you, you should see this clusterfuck of how I've got this cell phone set up right now. But OK, I'm, you I'm, take I'm, care of that. No. All right. Go ahead. I'm listening. So we had uh, um, the hand match. I'll say this. The hand match last year. So the match we're talking about, folks. is the same match that you guys have all heard me talk about that I literally almost died from heat exhaustion after day one <laughs> last year. I, Josh, I don't know if you even know the, the, how bad that actually got for me, but the Friday night before the match, I don't know how many beers I drank and not enough water, but Saturday at, but when we got back to the hotel, me and Jeff trip, I didn't, I didn't go to dinner. They all went to dinner. I, I, I had walked up to the CVS by the hotel or Walgreens, where that was. I bought two bottles of Pedialyte. I bought uh, Excedrin migraine. I had a splitting headache. I was nauseous. I had tunnel vision. I, I didn't eat from – I ate uh, breakfast Saturday morning. I did not eat again until uh, about 2.30, 3 o'clock on Sunday. Oh, wow. Yeah. And because I just couldn't keep anything down, my st- I, I was so hot and just dehydrated from day one because it yeah. was it was hot as shit. At it, was Precision. it was warm and it was warm again this year. And that's the hard part about June is you just don't know what you're going to get. Right. You got, so right. All, it, all the pop ups, you know, pallet and a half of water and water on ice. And um uh, yeah, this year's a little tough on me because I, I probably stayed out and, and partook a little bit more than I should have Friday night. <laughs> and again, you know, it, it's a, uh, you know, we we do it a little bit differently than than others. You know, we make Saturday night uh, the social event. You know, you've got Tom and and Melissa from Armageddon Gear uh, handling beer and pizza, and I bring in a, a buddy of mine, Jerry Wimmer from uh, the Works, which is a pretty big regional band, and he plays every Saturday night for us, and, and you know, just kind of make it a nice, chill, relax evening, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, June, and this year we were like 88, 90 degrees, um, 
for the match this year. The weekend before, it was 69 degrees. You just can't predict the weather, right? No, but, last year, you we, we were – it was – I think it tapped 100 degrees, but it was uh, on both days. But I think it was like a 102-103 heat index last year. Yeah. It was bad. I felt every damn bit of it. It was bad. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So where do we go this year? So they, uh, the Friday night before the match this year, people started coming in, uh, and, uh, everybody doing their kind of their initial meet and greet for the weekend, all that jazz, zero checks and stuff. Yep. Yep. So, you know, we, uh, I believe in having a very fair, um, start to everybody's match um you know we don't do any dope confirmation uh day before it's it's strictly zero range activities um this year we were very fortunate to uh to have loophole come be uh, our title sponsor and, and nick you know hey great guy um a lot of great optics out there you know whether it's vortex uh sean at night force um you've got all the the the, the super top end ones, um, whether it's Zico, who does a great job of supporting us as well, um, Tangent Theta, Schmidt and Bender, the list goes on, right? Uh, we were just very fortunate to have Loophole come on board with us this year, and uh, they've already told us they'll be back again as the title sponsor next year, which is pretty pretty rad, you know, to have that kind of horsepower behind us. And, mm-hmm. You know, it, this year was pretty cool, and the Nick. Um, Nick and Leupold were extremely generous in that when you came and you, you know, just signed in, right, you were picking up a a, a pair of their new performance eyewear, you know, that's like 180 bucks or whatever it said. Holy shit. Yeah, right. I mean, just at sign in, right? That's um, gangster, dude. I ain't never heard some shit like that before. Yeah, that's cold-blooded. Yeah, and then we, we also had Euro Optic on as a, as a big sponsor um, this year as well, so they – Every shooter got a, a hat and T-shirt from them. Um, and then, of course, you know, we do our T-shirts as well. Uh, and, and, you know, we had phenomenal um, sponsor support. And that's a, that's one of those things where, you know, you can run a match. Um, and you can run a great match. But it takes months, you know, and months and months and contacts to pull together um, what I would consider to be a, a precision rifle series qualifier type table. And, you know, whether it was Ruger putting guns on the table, um, down and back firearms coming to us new this year with a, a, a really slick 6.5 AR. Um, Henry uh, Glock was on board with us this year with certs uh, for, for Glock pistols. Um, we also had uh, – DNA building a really, really sick, I don't know if you saw that or not, giveaway rifle, which was a random raffle. Um, so you could have finished first, you could have finished last if you were there day two. Random number generator, um, Hawk Hill barreled, MDT chassis, uh, Defiance Action, Trigger Tech, uh, Badass Rig, and Six Creed. Um, and then we had Savage on board with, a, with one of their precision rifles and a couple others as well, you know, and then, but, you know, loophole really came through in a big way and, and, you know, their new Mark five with that PR two is, is a pretty sick, 
six gallon. That's a real cool reticle, man. When I first saw that it was in the 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 horizontal stadia was in the increments that it's in two and a half or point two five mil quarter mil. I was like, eh, and then the more I got to looking at it and 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 learning about it, I was like, dude, that that makes a lot of damn sense. Like, I I, I actually like it, and it's a really cool reticle that you get behind. It just it is pleasing to the eye, and you get all the information that you could use, but not overly uh, cluttered to where you're missing, you know, splashes uh, yeah. in it. You know, I really like that reticle. Yeah. It's it's a nice piece of glass. I'm I'm looking forward to getting my hands on one here soon. Um, you know they've got a great line of binos out now as well. Their 15 power BX5 Sanyams are, are are pretty sweet. Um, so you know that's that's all good stuff. Uh, you know, and then we see tremendous support from other folks, whether it's you know Armageddon Gear doing their thing, Short Action Precision, Short Action Customs was there that, uh, this year doing their thing as well. Um, and just a myriad of others, man. I mean, I can't even begin to, to get how much thanks I have to the, the folks that really put into this sport, right? You know, whether you're a, a smaller company, like, say, Starline Brass, or whether you're a big company, like, say, Ruger, right? You know, it's 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 awesome to see all those things to come together and, and to be able to highlight that and, like, our match videos and stuff like that and, and be... Um, a good partner to those that, that choose to partner with us. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty slick. So. Yeah. We, so we, yeah, we talked uh, a few days. What we talked uh, maybe of the Monday before the ham match or something like that. We talked for a few minutes on the phone and you had gotten, you were giving me, cause you knew I wasn't going to be there. Cause I had the big rock tournament the very next weekend. And my son had a jiu-jitsu tournament the day of uh, day one, but you got to tell me some of the stuff that you're going to have for, for the match this year. That was really cool. So yeah. let's get talking about that. As far as the stages and whatnot. Yeah. 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 As far as the stages. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I'm lucky to, to know a lot of people here in the local community, and, and just FYI, David, my phone just hit 10%, so <laughs> this might oh, be. Oh, man. Let me, know we get, let me know we get like 5%. Yeah, I hope it tells me. If not, it's been nice seeing everybody. Tonight. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had some cool stages to kind of commemorate D-Day, right? So um, everybody knows we got that pretty cool trench system that we built last year, um, and that gives you uh, – two totally different fields of fire, right? Um, you've got uh, a direction to your right and you've got a direction to your left, which the neat thing about that is, is that gives you multiple different shooting positions and portholes and stuff like that that we poured in that concrete in two different winds, right? So that's that's a neat little piece that I think uh, adds a little bit of a movement factor as well and, and, and time management. Um, but... Uh, I pulled together an old 1946 Willys Jeep and kind of refurbed that thing to be a stage prop. Um, an old military trailer uh, that was uh, donated to me by uh, the attorney that I have that handles all my stuff there for the range. Not my wife, mm. real attorney. Um, and then um, uh, just a few other kind of cool little props, you know, to, to kind of throw that theme in. Um, we were working on trying to get a military flyover that unfortunately didn't happen this year, but we did pull it off with a buddy of mine and a, a, a hot rod Cessna for uh, Sunday morning. Um, and then 
uh, expect next year some, some really cool other things to be coming down for stage props. Um, yeah, we're not going to give that away, but you told me some. You told me what it was going to be, and I'm I'm super boosted about those. Saying I'm shooting it next year. Period. Done. Yeah. I'm coming. I'm coming. Yeah. I'm shooting it. Expect an opportunity on a belt fed for a stage at a minimum. Um, man, so. don't give it away, Josh. Look, I know oh, you're that's, excited that's and pumping up. That's the don't little give it stuff, away. man. That's that's the little stuff. But yeah, you know, again, we try to make it a, a cool experience for everybody, and um, you know, we were just really thankful to be able to put it on. Um, and again, I'm super thankful for all those folks that come out to help run that thing. You know, you cannot do it without good quality ROs. And I think. And speaking on your ROs, I will. I want to go on record and back up what you have said so far about your ROs. I'll tell you what, I have yet to have a single complaint about your stage ROs because every one of them are, they seem to be a a, a shooters type guy and also a pleasure to deal with, to be around. Um, They just make a match go so much more smoothly than the alternative. Yeah. yeah. So you've done well. You know, those guys, some of them are retired SF dudes. Um, some of them are, you know, local police guys. Some of them are just my buddies, right? And uh, big shout out to every single one of them. You know who you are. I'm not going to name you off, but um, you guys and girls are what makes these things happen for everybody. I'm just a dude with a vision without you. So thank you. And, and, and thank you guys as shooters. You know, you've got choices. Um, and you've got good choices out there locally to go out and shoot. So, um, you know, thanks for coming and spending your time and your money and, and your interest with us. And you know, we continue to, to want to bring to you guys uh, a high level of, of quality competition when you come shoot with us. So, yeah, well, you know, Josh, I, I want to tell you that you deserved the match director of the year award of 2019 i believe you deserved it last year and i damn sure hope you get it this year and so you know that was a that was a shock to me right um i do appreciate that and you know to me that means a lot i don't don't get to shoot as much as i'd like to because i'm putting matches on or being a dad or just busy in my my civilian you know uh civilian um my, my real job right and uh that's an honor and i appreciate everybody that you know took the time and, and thought enough of me and, and what we do to vote for me and and, and, and if you're listening to this podcast god damn it this is who you need to vote even if you've never <laughs> shot at pig river precision do it now like whenever that comes up to do and vote for this is the man, Josh Bandy, Precision, uh, Pig River Precision. That is where your vote needs to go because take it from, from me. And if you don't ever listen to this podcast again, I don't give a shit. Give this man the vote for match director of the year because he fucking he he deserves it. There's a lot of good, great match directors out there that put in a lot of work. But I don't think there's very many that put in their heart to it as as much as Josh Bandy does. Well, I'll tell you, man, it went to a good dude last year. Matt Steiner has a good program up there. In, in he does. I love Matt. Matt's a great guy. And, and you know, the, the folks that were nominated in addition to that, man, I mean, Drew Walter runs a good, hard match. And, and yeah, shit, it was hard good match. stuff going on there with, with Geisley at that range in, in Tremont, PA. Um, 
go shoot those matches. Um, mm-hmm. Matt, if you're listening, I'm sorry I didn't make it for the third year in a row up there to shoot the Vortex Avengers. <laughs> it, it, it is what it is, man. The, the, the wife and the kids, they, they come first, dude. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, hey, go, go support your local match directors, guys. Go, go. And hey, if you're listening to this and you are on the fence about going and shooting a match, I don't care what, uh, whether it's PRS or it's another, you know, competitor or whether it's a three gun or whether it's IDPA, USPSA, whatever, and you're on the fence about going and shooting your first one, go shoot one. Find a local one, and you're going to figure it out because the people that are there in those communities are going to be there to help you learn, grow, and uh, excel at what you're doing. You know, don't be don't be that guy or girl that's just scared to go fail. You, you, you know, you're not going to fail. You're going to learn, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we all eat shit. I ate so much shit on my first match. Was, I'm surprised I did come back and keep shooting, but uh, that's part of it, you know. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better. If you're th- on the mat, on the fence about shooting a long range precision match, find the closest guardian match because that is the most epically catered match for a new shooter of any match of any shooting sport I have ever seen. And I, I, if, if you're anywhere near the Southeast, the one in Virginia at pig river precision in October, is going to be uh, probably one of the best ones yet. And I can't wait. And look, I'm going to go ahead and put this out there, and I'm going to speak for him. Josh Coons is going to be signing up to shoot the match. He's going to squad up with me and Jeff and CL. He is he's going to put some shit on the prize table for, from Patriot Valley Arms. Uh, I don't care what he knows so far. I'm telling him right now he's going to fucking do it. So uh, there will be some PVA certs and stuff like that on the prize table. And the prize table is a, a raffle um, and or, or silent auction, depending on how they're doing it now. But it's not based off your performance. So think there's going to be so, so much stuff uh, on the prize tables. and But more so than that, the relationships you build and the experience you build and, and just the relationships you forge. And, um, and, and not only that is tax deductible, every dollar you spend there is tax deductible and, uh, is the, a great learning opportunity and you're helping an awesome, awesome cause. Yep. So that's, that's a, what are the dates for that? It's October. What? I think it's the ninth and 10th. I think you're right. The 10th sounds familiar. Floating around here right now, but yeah, yeah. Come out and support that. Hell, come out and shoot one of our one-day matches. Our next one's uh, July 31st. Hopefully, nobody will get heat stroke there, David. <laughs> I can tell you one person that's not going to get heat stroke. This guy. Be, uh, yeah. Hopefully, it's not me, right? Yeah, right. Uh, but no, you know, um, come out and, and just support your local match directors, guys. You know, um, we're all shooters, too, to some level, you know, and uh, with what time we have available and um, – Come be a part of our community if you're not already. You know, it's it's a good community. I can't tell you how much I enjoy it, and it it it, it does me a lot of good to to be able to uh, to do these things. So, we well, Josh, you guys, Josh, I don't know about you, but I have thoroughly enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I love it. you're gonna have to come on again. I, in fact, you know what? The next time, next time's gonna be in person. 
I'm going to bring the computer, the microphone. We're going to knock back cold beers and me, you, and whoever wants to get in on it. We'll, we're going to sit around and we're going to do this shit again because, uh, you're, you are, in my opinion, you are a, a staple in the, in the Southeast for, for what we're doing and, uh, and, and really the, uh, across the country too. So I, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this with me, buddy. Yeah, man, absolutely. And you know, if you're, if you're interested in us, you know, check out our website. It's www.pigriverprecision.com. That's two G's cause one's not enough. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we're on Facebook and Instagram and all that. And if you're, if you're all about us, you know, um, hit up the shop now or whatever on, on the, on the webpage and pick up a nice pig river stamped Armageddon gear, medium or pint sized and see what else we have to offer. You know, it's, we, we yeah. try to cater um, and bring to each match the gear that we feel like is uh, a staple in what we do. Right. You know, and what's fairly priced for um, the new shooter and, and quality equipment for the folks that are, at the top levels, you know, whether that's like you said, Aaron Hip earlier, his uh, adaptive tuner systems, we're a dealer for those, two best tripods, um, Walsh Custom Defense, all the stuff, you know, soft goods and, and support related that we feel like are important to your success. You know, you got the chance to come out there, grab one, play with it, learn about it, you know, shoot one in the match if you want to. Uh, we want you to spend your money wisely, and uh, we're lucky to have the the partnerships that we have with vendors like that and, and many more that uh, really bring value to, to what we do and, and, and you as a shooter in the sport. So, you know, check those folks out direct or, or, or come see us or hit us up on our website. And um, Again, guys, it's just a pleasure to be able to, to, to do what we do um, for the community, you know, and, I can't tell you, David, how much I appreciate you having me on here. And pleasure was mine, brother. Pleasure me, was all mine. Blush, right? I'm blushing under this beard right now. No, you look good over there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you, you got a pretty mouth on you, boy. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> hey. All right. Hey, well, look, man. Guys. Look, don't go anywhere yet. I'm gonna stop this recording, and we'll we'll uh we'll chat for a second before we let you go before your phone dies. So, guys, again. Thanks, as always. Thanks for the support of the podcast. Thanks for all the downloads, um, shares, whatever. Uh, FYI, they're um, uh, Trump's new uh, social media thing. His platform just dropped. It's Getter, G-E-T-T-R, and I signed up for it, got an account there. So you can find me. That's the only social media I've got so far. Um, I just started it. I have, like, no followers. So check it out and how long we'll keep it. Well, I'll see how long it'll work. But Josh, just hang on, and uh, we'll get this stopped. Take care, guys.